Thanks for downloading the latest episode of the C-Suite podcast that we're producing in partnership with the European PR agency, Taito. This show is all about the Taito Tech 500 Power List, a publication that identifies the most influential figures in technology in the UK, France and Germany. My name is Graham Barrett and I'm thrilled to say we're going to hear from three of the influencers on this year's list. They are Sophie Bruce, Chief Technology Officer at Atos, Andreas Meyer, Professor, Friedrich Alexander University, Erlangen Nuremberg, and Jonathan Simcox, Editor at Tech Blast and Business Cloud. Welcome to you all. But before we hear their stories, let me introduce Zoe Clark, Senior Partner and Head of Media Influence at Taito, who can give us some background to this report. The Taito Tech 500 Power List is now in its fifth edition. How has it developed over the years and what is the, the rationale, the thinking behind it? Yeah, when we first set up this um, ranking back in 2017, as you say, you know, really we set it up with a clear aim, rationale in mind of looking to identify who are the most influential people in tech at any given moment. And also, just more generally, to kind of shine a light on this whole idea of influence as a whole, dig into it a little bit and look at, you know, how is that created? What does it mean to be influential? Um, so, yeah, fifth year, as you say, for the UK list now, and we've um, systematically added countries over, over the years. Germany, I think this is the third year we've done it, and in France as well in our second year now. So, yeah, this year, I suppose you could say it's definitely the most comprehensive list we've had so far, looking at, you know, Europe's three biggest geographies. And I think over time, you'll see probably when we dig into, into the findings a bit more that it really does change over time. And I think what's interesting is it gives you a snapshot, not just of who are the influencers, but what does it mean to be influential at that particular moment or in that particular year? Could you just give us a brief overview of some of the findings of this year's report? So I'm not going to dig into chapter and verse on every single um, data point and detail. So I should actually just say for any listeners that do want to have a, have a proper deep dive into it, you can do that in two ways. Um, I think on Taito's YouTube channel and also we did a special edition of our of the launch podcast of our uh, Taito Without Borders podcast series. So you can definitely get the detail there. But three key findings important to note for this year. The first one is really all around the real boom we've seen in the number of influencers coming from the green tech sector. And that's across all countries, UK, France and Germany. And I'm talking about, I think in the UK, it was 160% rise this year. So, you know, massive difference. Similar in Germany, I think it was about 47% rise there. And in France as well, I think we had two green tech influences in 2020. And I think it was 32 or 42 this year. So really, really significant change um, in this year's report. Um, second key theme is all around the rise of health tech and biotech influencers. You'll see notable names like Uslem Terechi and Uga Sehin, who are actually the founders of BioNTech, um, who've been so influential in, in rolling out the COVID vaccine um, over the last year. People like that. And I think 69% overall rise in biotech influencers this year and a 35% rise in health tech as well. So. That's definitely a second key trend. And then finally, which is interesting as, as we dig into our conversation with the guests we've got here today, really interesting to see this year how much more prominent academics and politicians and governmental people have become in the top echelons of this year's ranking compared to in years gone by. 
Eight out of 10 influencers in this list are still business leaders and journalists. And that's been a common theme throughout all the years we've done this. But actually this year, as you get into the top 100 or even the top 25, you really start seeing this year that the number of academic or governmental influencers has, has really gone up. So just briefly, I suppose, what does this tell us? Well, a couple of thoughts from me is just that I think it's plain to see how pivotal tech is at the moment in, in solving some of the world's biggest challenges. And secondly, as well, obviously, as I said, when we do this report year on year, you can really see how it reflects the world we're living in. And this year, it's plain to see the rise of health tech, biotech, etc., just reflects, of course, the, the last year or two that we've, um, we've all been through. So, yeah, that's a bit of a snapshot for you. Well, thanks, Zoe. And I think, yeah, let's introduce um, one of our panel today, Sophie Proust. Sophie is a CTO of a large technology company. You've been selected as one of the top women in tech to watch. Why do you think you're on this list? <laughs> well, as you said, I'm a CTO of Atos. I've been there now for three years. Atos is a large service provider. We support our customers in their digital transformation journey. And uh, maybe before answering your question, I can tell you what's my day-to-day -day job. You know, I, I, I'm in charge of let's say, three main things. First thing is uh, setting the technology vision uh, for Atos with our R&D investments. We want to invest where we will have the most impact to transform our customers uh, through their digital uh, journey. We want also to boost innovation. So with the thought leadership activities, you know, inspiring our customers to get the best use of the technology. And the third thing is really to foster our uh, technical communities. We have an expert scientific community as well as a CTO community. So we are preparing the skills uh, for the future technologies uh, upcoming. So actually, I've been now for more than 30 years, you know, in, uh, in the tech. I led uh, R&D teams. And uh, of course, this is a great asset for me, helping me in my day-to-day -day job, uh, managing uh, the team's uh, wide-scale uh, companies such as Atos. And uh, I think, as Zoe mentioned, you know, uh, the, the, the pivotal aspect of the tech, what I could say is that uh, technology really progresses on one hand continuously with natural ev evolutions, you know, more performance, uh, more usability for users, more data insight, and sometimes with some disruption, breakthroughs uh, that change paradigm. Cloud was one huh, because moving application to cloud really changed things. And also with the upcoming, let's say, uh, quantum computing. So, you know, as a CTO, I must be, of course, uh, attentive. I listen. I look at the trends that will transform our lives. And uh, it's really thrilling. So why haven't we selected? Well, you know, <laughs> first of all, it was a big surprise. Of course, a big honor, too, because if I look at the French list, you know, having uh, being in the list where the number one is uh, Thomas Pesquet is uh, quite impressive. So... Maybe some of the thoughts that uh, Zoe gave us, uh, you know, green tech, uh, health. In Atos, we are all uh, engaged into this. And so uh, maybe it's also an AI algorithm, you know, who helped you uh, in social media to see. So uh, at least I hope that it will inspire, as you say, uh, other women to come uh, in the tech area. A number of things have contributed to you being on the list. It's not just one thing. Your, your influence has obviously spread around a number of things. So, yeah, Andreas, maybe I could come to you now. As Zoe mentioned, the number of influencers from the academic sector has risen by over 70% due to the pandemic and other factors. What influence do you think you have in your field? Well, I 
consider me just as an academic so this whole influencer <laughs> status is very surprising for me as well i can tell you you know with the start of the pandemic we started moving many of our things to social media we started recording lectures putting them on youtube and of course many of our scientific results we tried to share with our colleagues using tools like twitter or linkedin and uh, apparently there is uh, an audience and the audience is growing we cannot meet on conferences anymore as we used to that was the prime occasion when we would meet each other and share ideas and now we share them with the world everybody can participate and i think that's that's a, yeah a very good development and also with the increase of open science and open access publishing people can also yeah download articles and follow the research much better so I think that's a very good kind of uh, development, and I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that many academics are going into this direction. It's very important that, of course, that we can discuss our ideas and develop them further. Jonathan, journalists become even more important in this pandemic era that we're living through when fake news seems to spread faster than ever. Are you conscious of this in your various publications, and has that changed your approach at all? Well... There are other publications in the UK which are probably more headline publications. So you have like CTAM in London, you've got the, the national newspapers. So, you know, you look on the list and you see Alex Hearn from The Guardian, Simon Duke from The Times. So they're, they're influential in a certain way. Where we come in is we look at a, a niche of, of startup companies, scale companies and established companies that are in the tech sector. So it's how are the technologies changing how we do business, how we live our lives. And what we do is we try and shine a light on those companies of all sizes. And we say, if you look at this sector, here are some incredible people. You know, we've, we've had people lists in the past as well on our, on our publications where we look at female role models in technology, which obviously has a real impact in terms of people getting engaged on social media, people visiting our website and understanding who the people are that are trying to change, change the world. I've had a story today, which, is, which has come from the government, it's not our original research, saying that 40% of FTSE 100 boardroom positions are now filled by women, which is up from 12.5% 12, uh, 10 years ago. So you can see the kind of way things are moving over time. And what we try and do is we try and reflect movements in business, movements in technology through the people that are in the sector and, and the companies that they're building. Zoe, let's come back to you. Is social media one of the things you examine when compiling this list? Does that go a long way to defining influence in today's world? Yes, I think it is. But I think it's only part of it. So I think obviously this is what today in this conversation is all about, right? What do we mean by this concept of influence? What does that actually involve? And I think what Jonathan was saying there was really interesting as well in terms of sort of different groupings and different types of people being influential in different ways and depending on their role. Some people might say, yeah, you know, absolutely, it's all about your social following, your social ranking, whatever. But no, I definitely don't think it's all about that. At Taito, you know, as a PR agency, we think about influence as a much more well-rounded or kind of multifaceted concept, if you will. I actually like to think about influencers and I think you know all of our guests here today are a brilliant example of this of being people who have the power to persuade an audience about something whatever it might be you know what I mean by that as I suppose is that people on this list and, and our three brilliant guests here today you know they have the ear of an audience of listeners and is that just because they have a big social following no I don't think so at all you know I think one of the things that's come through on this year's ranking is actually the importance of relevance in influence. 
So it's really clear that the people on this year's list are in part influential because they're relevant and topical. But yeah, it's much more than just a social following. So our methodology, for example, actually incorporates social rank, but also an individual's overall online brand piece, the the ranking of their overall organisation that they work for, you know, for example, the domain authority or how often they're searched for on Google Trends even, and also the amount they appear in earned media as well. Um, So it's a really sort of well-rounded, well-rounded look at things. Sophie, just coming back to you, Jonathan was talking about that FTSE, um, you know, the the breakdown of women in high-profile roles. You have a high-profile role in tech, as, as we spoke about before. What more, though, needs to be done to allow women to be heard in tech? Well, you know, more than maybe to be heard, I'd like to say the first thing it's that we need to have more women in tech first than to be heard. because and, and, and maybe the thing is that girls need to understand what it means to work in tech. Writing algorithm of uh, machine learning, we've talked about it. Applying mathematics to a given problem, uh, like uh, in fraud in finance or analyzing behavior in a fan zone to see if there is problems coming along or targeted marketing. All this implies to understand the business of the customer. And I think this is really appealing for women. But you can also design servers. You can do some uh, electronic uh, board design. You can do some mechanic server design. You can also design the user experience, uh, how humans interact uh, with the systems. And there's many roles in tech, architect, testers, developers, implementing uh, and, and doing some prototypes so you can clearly quickly see the the impact. And I think we've talked about it also. We we are really living in crucial time where we see all those technologies that have a real social impact in our lives and the lives of our children. We saw how COVID, for example, was uh, absolutely key there in the need, for example, for decarbonization. So I think on the one hand, the girls, the women need to be interested in science, technology, and they need to understand that this is an area where they can succeed and have fun. I mean, for boys, it's more natural, you know, those complex tech stuff, they are interested in it. But I think really now technology evolves, we see it in our mobile apps, it's more context aware, more immersive experience that girls can understand and that it can be appealing for them. So once they understand this is something for them, then we need to promote them and encourage them, as you say, to have lead more leadership position. And this is for men and women, you know, in the workplace to help them. And I think also we need to understand that uh, leadership does not have to be this uh, immutable stereotypes model uh, invented by men. But there is a place in the business world for more collaboration, more listening, more empathy and most sustainable way also to drive uh, economic success. So I think all in all, this could help having uh, more uh, women in the workplace. Let me just caveat the research that came out this morning to say that actually there aren't as many women in CEO roles as we would like. So it's, it's important to understand that there's a lot more to be done. But I interviewed a, com- a company called Bankify recently. There's a lady called uh, Marika. She's based in Belgium, but the company's based in Manchester. And some of the stuff she's seen in 20 years of fintech, and I've heard these stories many times, but I could tell you many other examples. For example, Marika went to a conference and she was talking to these two people. She's you know, a leader in what she does in financial technology and payments technology. And one guy turned to another guy and said, she's more intelligent than she looks. These are the kind of things that people have to deal with. These are the stories that we try and publicize in business cloud. It's not all about negativity. It's not about that at all. It's about 
shining the light on it. Some of the stories that you hear from investors when companies are trying to pitch to investors, some of the questions that come back, they range from downright inappropriate to they're, they, they're set through a lens which doesn't lend itself to a quality. And I think that the targeted marketing is also something which is very, very important. I can tell you we are running a computer science department. We're running several study programs. Computer science, 90% male, 10% female. And then we're running a study program that we call medical engineering. And you can study it in a flavor that is essentially computer science. And from day one bachelor to the last day of the master, 50% male, 50% female. And they are learning very, very similar things. So I think if you if you frame it right, if you make it accessible, if you create the right learning experience, you can actually do it and make it much, much more interesting also for female participants. And I can tell you, unfortunately, we don't keep that level in the, in the PhD, but in our lab, we do like 70% medical engineering, AI and medical and so on. And we still get like 30% of our PhD students that are female. But it's it's hard to keep keep up with that. And we're trying to think of new things. But I must completely say we need role models. We need people who show how it can be done, how to be successful in tech as a woman. Zoe, some really interesting points there that the guys have made. What are your thoughts here about, if we bring this back to influence, what more needs to be done so that women are seen as more influential in, in the tech space? It is such a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I, I can't disagree with anything these guys have said, like right there. You know, I'm, I'm a mum of a two-year-old girl as well. So it really just resonates on that level entirely. In terms of the influence piece, I totally agree with Sophie that, yeah, first we have to tackle the issue of, you know, the women in tech, first of all, and then, and then you know, the influence hopefully will come. It's, it's self sort of building, isn't it? It will change over time. But yeah, as Andrea said, you know, it'd be great to have a few more people who can really be seen out there as, as, as those to, to follow or emulate. Um, I guess what more can be done? I mean, I think I was thinking about this before, and I think that really it's about working with the individual. So as I've said, we do see influence as a well-rounded thing. And yes, there are lots of different facets to it. But I think also within organisations, we just have to recognise that everyone actually does things in a different way. You know, man, woman, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert even, you know, you like to operate in different ways. And I think it's about bosses and more senior people within an organisation supporting their teams, their women, their, you know, their team members as individuals and sort of encouraging them in a way that works for them. Because what one person might feel comfortable with is not something that another person would feel naturally keen to do, i.e. go out there and speak at a conference in front of 100 people or shout about everything on social media, you know? It's about, I think, identifying where the individual's strengths are and then nurturing that. And it might be that it's talking to small groups to start with. It might be that it's sort of just, just one step in front of the other, really, I think. Jonathan, if we just move this on slightly, just to talk about journalism, especially in, you know, the era that we found ourselves in, this kind of COVID era, fake news seems to spread very quickly. Are you conscious of that in your publications? And do you see a need to kind of need to correct the record and make sure everything is as as accurate as it can be? Yeah, I think journalism has never been more important, right? I mean, in, in the last few years have shown us that. In, in the bigger picture, if you look at Twitter and the, the trending topics on the right-hand side, as I see it on my laptop anyway, it, it's quite encouraging to see more fact verification in there. So, you know, um, I think we've always had a clear focus on speaking with founders, like I said before, and other parties in, in technology and business and getting under the skin of that business. Um, 
you know, where did the idea come from for the business? Why is the technology necessary? You know, how are you going about building a sustainable business around it? Those questions haven't really changed. Maybe the lens that you ask them through has changed a little bit because we're all a little bit more aware of, of these issues in the wider world. But we always have that. You know, if you talk to a founder, they're always going to say, yeah, I've got this technology that's going to change the world. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, like become a billion dollar company. I'm a unicorn. So it's our job to kind of put the perspective on that to say, this is where we see the business you know it's impressive this is this problem they're trying to solve and this is the problems they may face so that that's not really changed sophie i'd love to come back to you now um the pandemic has dominated our lives hasn't it over the last couple of years what are your thoughts on the way that technology has responded to to the problems that we've encountered yeah i think you know the the pandemic has really been a huge accelerator regarding technology because we had to adapt so rapidly to the new ways of living working communicating and of course, it was really tough, huh, this san sanitary crisis, but I think it really revealed how dependent we are uh, on digital technology and also how it helped us. We've seen, for example, the test and trace uh, you know, applications, the ability to do homeworking and schooling, of course, the increase of uh, online uh, shopping and banking and all the video calls we've been doing. So it's also showed us major lacks for example, in cybersecurity, and also some inability of some businesses to scale because they had to meet rapidly to the changing demands. So, you know, in my opinion, it revealed actually three main points. The first of the real need to master technology and how digital technology really underpins uh, many of our business continuity. The, the pandemic has really uh, clearly accelerated uh, the pace of the digital world in many uh, business and organizations. The second point is the power of data and the data ecosystem. We've seen it with uh, COVID-19, you know, vaccine creation, where we have been exchanging data uh, to increase and, uh, and, and put those vaccines uh, in place uh, more quickly. So really the notion of we need to share the data and build ecosystem now is, I think, uh, a, a real trend. And maybe the, the third point is uh, the, the, the pandemic has placed health, but also social, environmental uh, consideration very much on the spotlight. And uh, we need to continue working in trust and addressing, of course, the cybersecurity challenges in uh, sustainable uh, solutions. So yeah, it changed because we worked uh, with our customers on all those aspects. And uh, we continue to push, you know, for example, the move to cloud to uh, address uh, those uh, issues and, uh, and give solutions. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if anybody else wants to come in there about how technology has shaped our lives and changed our lives. Andreas, have you got any thoughts on this? I've been not in a lecture hall for almost two years now, since the beginning of the pandemic. We teach everything online. We do recording, produce videos, and then work within water classroom, have question and answer sessions. Very interestingly that for some lectures now with this boom in machine learning, we have so many students that I think it gives us additional capacity to be actually able to, to teach all those students. And also not just in the lecture, but also for the, you know, the programming exercise and so on, you're in front of the PC anyway. So it's very easy to connect with, you know, Zoom or Teams and then get a tutor and he helps you on your PC with the programming exercise. And this is all asynchronous. And we used to have, you know, peak hours where the computer rooms were full and you wouldn't get a spot or you would have to wait for a tutor very long. And then just post a message and tutor is also sitting there doing his asynchronous uh, reading or teaching or learning and then just comes and, and helps you so i think that isn't too bad but of course 
all the social things that you do at a university, you don't want to miss that. And I'm, I'm very sad that many of our new students, they haven't experienced that a lot in the last two years. So there's also a big push of going back to the lecture hall, and I can absolutely understand that. And how do you view the tech space in general in Germany? What, what does the future hold for you and your work? What other technological advancements are coming, do you think? Well, of course, the whole machine learning element is going to progress further. We have quite a bit of trust issues with machine learning, so we need to build more dependable systems. Also, ethical AI is a big thing. Um, Further ahead, of course, we already mentioned quantum computing. There's the quantum machine learning community that's currently growing. So these are all big trends that will probably happen. And then again, what I also think will become very important are things like like the metaverse and the, the digital twin, how you bring the world together. In particular, now in a, in a pandemic where things are suddenly lighting up a bit, and then you can go back to work. But of course, you don't want to miss all the digital progress that you made over the last couple of years. So how to bring that together? So I think this will be key technologies in the nearer to a little more far future. Jonathan, you have your finger on the pulse of tech in the UK. What do you anticipate happening this year and beyond in technology? Metaverse is definitely something that's been spoken about a lot. I think my my one thing with the metaverse is it's not owned by Facebook. You know, it has to be a practical reason for the technology. Digital twins, as Andreas said, is is a perfect example of of there's a reason for it. You can you can plan, you know, transport links in a city, you know, looking at how how you build that city, for example. I think building a virtual world for people to interact in itself isn't something that would necessarily appeal. I think with all immersive technologies, there needs to be a real reason to, to use it. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I just mirror really what Sophie said, you know, healthcare as well, you know, education technology, you know, the, these things. We see the acceleration in these technologies. We do these innovation rankings on Business Cloud uh, called Tech 50, and we put across 14 different sectors. Or well, recently we published our EdTech 50, which is all about education technology, companies that are using technology to help people, whether it's students school children or workplace development learning remotely and different ways of applying learning using technology now that would have been it's probably what five years ahead of where it would have been if it hadn't been a pandemic so we see that in every ranking that we do we see the the uptake as we vet the companies and look at them and see where they're going we see the uptake in, in how these technologies are coming along we see the new companies that are being created so just i think there's just going to be an increase in businesses across all sectors experimenting with new technologies ai has not been around that long we, we talk about it like it's been around for 20 years but ai in a practical sense is only a few years old really so obviously as, as andrea said that will that will come more and more into into things as well that totally resonates with what we've seen in the report actually each year we we as well as looking at the key sectors that have been around for a long time, the likes of fintech or consumer tech or what it might be, we always also cast just keep a bit of a watching eye on emerging sectors. And three from this year that we're keeping an eye on based on just things beginning to bubble and the number of influencers beginning to grow are um, the quantum, quantum tech space. But also space tech, interestingly. And also, going back to what you were saying about different vertical sectors, logistics and manufacturing and which we haven't mentioned and you might think it's not a wowie buzz kind of area for tech but in terms of different vertical sectors using tech to be really transformational actually logistics and manufacturing is really really um, one to watch I'd say. Yeah I interviewed a business last week called De Gould which is it, it, it captures hundreds of images of a car or a vehicle of some kind and it can identify using machine learning or using artificial intelligence 
and the cloud, you know, so it's instantaneous. Any dents, any scratches. So rather than someone going around a car with a clipboard when it's raining, trying to figure out whether someone's dented the car when they're, you know, when they're returning it, it actually says, duh, 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 these are the areas you need to look at. And that's at the end of manufacturing plants now. You get to the end of the, the production line and it can say, oh, you've put the wrong color grill on that, on that car, or you've not put the, the turbo badge on the back or whatever it may be. Rather than having that being rectified for more money down the line and the customer being irate and annoyed and the car having to go somewhere to be fixed, it gets fixed at, on the site. So that's one practical example of a startup which has seen massive adoption in the last two years. And, and going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about uh, women in tech and making sure that tech's really inclusive and open to everybody and getting people in it from the grassroots. I mean, I think the fact that we're all identifying these use cases or examples of where tech is being used in every different sector of society every different type of business you know it's just so embedded isn't it with everything today that hopefully over time you know the picture will change won't it because it's just part of the fabric of life yeah i think you're right so it's just you think of every aspect of our lives and they're all being influenced and impacted by this you know this wave of technology sophie uh, let's come back to you how do you view the current tech landscape in france and where's that heading in the years to come yeah, no, but I, I, I fully agree with uh, the trends, you know, uh, Jonathan, Andrea and Zoe uh, gave. I, I, I could complement and maybe I'll, I'll talk not, not only in, of France and Europe, I, I, I mean, as a whole, I think we see a raising need, for example, for sovereignty, uh, meaning gaining control over your data, where are they located, who can access them, do we master the technology that processes them, who operates them, is there any jurisdiction that will prevent my business from going on. So I think this is a really uh, very important trend. The, the, the other one I've already uh, talked about is the ecosystem. Talking about digital twin, it's a little bit you know linked to it because you want to share data, so you want to have data from the real world and be able to uh, deliver seamless uh, services to the customers. There's, of course, a big need for cybersecurity. We said it, and the threat landscape is extending, so we need to protect ourselves. Of course, the shift to cloud, a little bit like AI. We've been talking a lot about it for many years, but, you know, how many real implementations and the use of the real native cloud technology is used in the modern applications. So this will continue. And, of course, I think that uh, it's, it's nice to see uh, in France and in Europe renewing interest in developing uh, those approach approach sorry to, to, to foster innovation and uh, work collectively and uh, have leadership on uh, on sovereign uh, aspects for example Jonathan I don't know if you want to come in there at all and uh, give a UK perspective on those issues yeah I think the sovereignty thing is really important I think you, you know pr- privacy in general is has been in the the news cycle for a couple of years now and every app one of the first questions that you ask is you know how are you guarding the privacy of, of, of the you know, of your users. And GDPR obviously had a massive impact on that as well. And I think general, as a general thing, though, for me, it's also the spread away from cities. So we shine a light on the companies around the UK. If you look on from the outside, you know, you think London is the epicenter of technology. And yes, you know, it's a financial powerhouse and a lot, you know, there are thousands of technology companies there, but a lot of the innovations are springing up around the UK now. You know, there's a move to hybrid working. People don't need to go in the office. People don't necessarily want to go into the office certainly not five days a week so having spoken to someone at a think tank recently about how they see the property sector evolving they think there'll be a bit of a flattening of the cities so more co-working spaces on the outskirts of cities in the suburbs in small towns 
for example, we want office in Manchester, but actually we work in service offices in different parts of, of the country, wherever we're you know, close to where we are. It gives you that work-life balance. We go into an office for a specific reason and or to, to meet someone or to interview somebody. This morning, for example, we don't need to be in the office to do this podcast. Actually, it may hinder the podcast because there's like loads of people running around. It's a lot better to do it from home, right? So I think you'll see more and more people looking for that convenience. And, and also that helps you retain the staff as well if you if you enable people to be able to pick their kids up from school or, or whatever it may be in their life that's going on. So I think you know that innovation will continue to spread to all corners of the UK. And, and I don't know if the picture's the same in France and Germany. but Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there are so many threads we could pick up on here and we could keep talking. Maybe, Zoe, just to try and round this discussion off, I could come back to you. We, we said at the start the, the Taito Tech 500 Power List is in its fifth edition now. Let's look ahead to the next edition. How do you see things changing there? Are we going to see similar patterns to, the, to this year's? Who knows? Yeah, I think that... Um we'll see some commonalities I think we'll see you know trends emerge over time and I think some of the emerging sectors we've been talking about in the last few minutes will certainly come through as well you know like I mentioned quantum I think metaverse we're likely to be talking more about aren't we in the in the coming year or more and of course coming through the pandemic thinking about where we'll be by the time we launch our next report which will be around November kind of time it will be interesting to see won't it what that report looks like to reflect the next few months of the world, the, the new world order that we're, we're coming through into living right now post-COVID. Just bringing it back to influence though, as well, I actually, um, I was looking back over the reports we've done on the Tech 500 since we started it in 2017. And it just struck me, there was a really interesting quote that somebody gave in um, the first report we did back in 2017. It was a man called Jeremy Waite from IBM. And he had said, he was, he was ranked fairly highly on the list, he said that any true influencer never sets out to be an influencer. I think, obviously, if you're, you know, aiming to be a reality TV star, then perhaps, but we're not talking about that today, right? So I think, you know, you never set out to be an influencer. You set out wanting to change things, which I think we'd hopefully all agree with in some way. And I think it's, he said, it's the responsibility of all of us to influence whatever audience you've got, however big or small. And again, going back to what we talked about with women in tech as well and different people in tech... I think we just need to think about influence in a really human kind of well-rounded way like however small your audience is someone will be listening somebody will be taken by what you're saying and be thinking about it and to me that's kind of what influence means really and he just said that the influence you've got shouldn't all be about getting people to buy more stuff it's about meaningful relationships which yeah how nice is that really that is what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a brilliant quote to finish off. And I think, you know, that's endorsed by our three guests that we've had today. So I'd love to thank you all for joining us and, uh, you know, shining a light on what you do and technology in all your different spaces. Andreas, thank you. Sophie, Jonathan and Zoe, thank you very much for taking us through the report. We'll certainly look forward to the next report when that comes out in November time. But for now, as Zoe mentioned at the top of the show, you can read the full report. And I'll give the, the URL for that, which is titopr.com forward slash taito dash tech dash 500 dash power dash list dash 2021. A bit of a mouthful. Or you can find <laughs> it on the YouTube channel, did you say as well, Zoe? Yeah, absolutely. On Taito's YouTube channel or um, on the special edition we did for our own uh, Without Borders podcast as well. So yeah, thank you very much. 
Excellent. So download that, have a good read, and you will see our three guests featured on that, obviously. But for now, we'd love to hear your comments on today's chat. You can do that by sharing them on our Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter feeds, or you can do it on the comments of the YouTube version of this podcast. Those are all linked from the top of our website at csuitepodcast.com, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, plus links to where you can follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via the likes of Spotify and Apple. And if you like what you heard, please do give us a positive rating and review. We're, of course, available on all podcast apps. Just search for the C-Suite podcast and hit follow or subscribe. You can also find me and the C-Suite podcast on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.